This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host, Jisoo Kim, or Jason Jisoo Kim, and I'm here with another episode for another season on Manchester United. Just like the Arsenal season, I'm talking to Manchester United fans, get to see things from their perspective, how they became United fans, and how they feel about Manchester United in this current day and time. And I'm getting, I'm guessing that it's not great. So, uh, and today I have Janelle Bond. Am I saying oh. it's that's how you say your name, right, Janelle? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Perfect. How's it going? Good. How about you? I'm all right. It's kind of chilly outside. Uh, and I gathered it's kind of mm-hmm. cold where you are, too. Yeah, we got some snow this weekend. So we got snow for back to back weekends. All right. Same here. We will. We were just kind of and you know, we're kind of buried in snow like the rest of yeah. Canada. So <laughs> nothing new there. Actually, I want to uh, before we get into Manchester United, how do you feel about the men's national team and the Canadians uh, national team playing in like outdoor stadiums in this temperature? Like, do you, I don't think it's a smart idea. Yeah, so, I mean, coming from, like, the player in me, like, it's obviously not ideal, you know? Um, yeah. It's it's so cold, and it's hard to, like, really get warmed up, and you have to take all this extra time to do all these things. But, I mean, it's kind of what you're getting. Like, you're playing year-round, and I when I was a kid, I had to do it. Um, it's it's I feel like it's just one of those things that's kind of ingrained in American soccer culture now is just playing in no matter what the element is. So if they can get it done, then that just shows how good of a team they are. Yeah. I mean, for me, as someone who grew up playing in the snow, like minus 20 or whatever, I mean, I'm playing all wrapped up in like thick parkas, you know, right, right. Kind of the goose <laughs> stuff like that. So I kind of imagine wearing soccer attire only <laughs> when it's yeah. like minus minus 10 minus 20 like it's it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous in my opinion yeah it's it's rough i'm not gonna lie uh i remember in high school we were going to the state final and um we i'm not sure if they we actually wore them but like i know we had a big dispute on if we like were gonna wear under armors and i was like it's like freezing outside and it wasn't even close to negative 10 it was just like it was like 30, but we were still like, are we going to wear them? Like, are we not going to wear them? <laughs> yeah. That was like the big thing. And so I could imagine, I could never imagine like not having gloves or like legging, Under Armour and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, it's, I know it's gnarly out there. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Hamilton, I never been there. It's, it's like not far from Toronto, but what I've gathered from people who are from Ontario tell me that it's, uh, outdoor and Hamilton's not the smartest idea to be. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's right by the lake, so it gets, like, a lot of wind. and Right, right, yeah. Like, it's, uh, that doesn't sound pleasant at all. It's yeah. not pleasant. As a Liverpool fan, I'm doing a season on Manchester United. And I want to, before we get into your story and how you became United fan, and I guess your, let's call it your passion or love affair with the club, uh, how do you feel about what's going on with Manchester United right now? Because it's not so hot. Right. Um, so I, I guess do you want me to start with my story and then kind of Okay, yeah, let's up? do that. Okay. So um I was a fan I I started around like twenty twelve and um I remember the first memory I have is um there was a game that was televised on TV and I didn't know who it was playing. Like I mean I saw Manchester United, but I forgot who was playing with them and okay. um I just remember seeing like Wayne Rooney on my screen 
And I was like, just randomly cheering for him. Like no, no prior knowledge to, to the EPL or anything like that. And I just remember like cheering for Rudy. Um, and so I think Man United won that game, mm-hmm. but, um, and I think they won in 2013 not 2012 because i think the 2012 was when the aguero thing happened oh yeah 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 so (laughs) um so i and i didn't even know there were two different teams in manchester at the time but Mm -hmm. um i remember like going through the rest of that first season and um like when the whole aguero thing happened like i was like well that kind of sucks you know um (laughs) but i and i honestly i never thought that i would like continue to watch them like after that but i remember like seeing the next season um, and I think that was around the time where I, I got my first Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I randomly followed Manchester United and I was just following all their games and I would see that they were just being televised like every weekend in, uh, in America. So I just turned them on and that's kind of how my, my fandom started. It's not, I wasn't like born into it. None of my family has watched Manchester United. I mean, I did play soccer my whole life, but I had never watch like european soccer at all so that was kind of my first interaction mm-hmm. um yeah so that's kind of how i started um and i've just been a fan ever since um it's i will say it it's that's not for the faint of heart um if you, we can't you can't be a fair weather united fan it's at least in this time you can't I, I i imagine back in the day like when they were kind of going on their their long glory reigns that it was probably easier to be a fan, but um, it's it's really not for the fate apart. Um, so I, I would say now, I mean, it's hard in such an era, in an era of such like technology, you know, like there's always, especially with the bigger club, there's always just something that people are going to be talking about. Um, there's always messages that are going to be taken out of context or misconstrued Mm. Uh, and i think a lot of that is really surrounding us and um honestly i try not to pay attention so much to the media circus um i kind of try kind of try to just pay attention to my on-field product as much as i can um i would say the current state right now like you said it's not so good um i think when when ogs first came to united that was kind of the first time post Sir Alex Ferguson that I felt like, wow, you know, like the, the culture and like the, what it means to like be a United fan and like what it means to be a United player, at least from what I had seen, like in like 2012, it was like kind of coming back. And I saw a little oh, bit of it nice. under, yeah. And I saw a little bit of it under Jose Mourinho, but it was hard because at the end of his reign, like there was just so much controversy surrounding him and like the whole him staring out the pod with thing, like it's, it was just so hard. And so now like seeing all that stuff that had gone on with OGS and how, um, we had kind of been making strides back towards our, what we kind of used to be like this world beater status, like being like one of the best clubs in the world, you know, like I felt that. And so obviously seeing him like kind of not fail, but like him start to go down, um, like a hole that was just, he was never going to come back from. Um, it was hard, but I think Ralph is a, I think Ralph's a pretty good guy. Um, seeing what he did with German football, like he revolutionized German football and we could definitely learn from a guy like Ralph who, um, isn't worried about managing egos, isn't worried about the players going to like him. And, you know, like, 
he's managed these big big clubs and I think he he knows what it takes to get to the top so I think we just need to trust the process with him I mean it's hard to see past like results and I think honestly if the DNA is there that's really kind of what matters the most uh at least for me so that was probably a roundabout way of getting to answer your question but yeah yeah, that's that's pretty much how I feel um in a nutshell that's I mean that's fair because what I'm seeing as obviously as as an outsider uh obviously being a Liverpool fan I don't really care how well Manchester United right right (laughs) yeah (laughs) but but at the same time I am interested because you know Cristiano Ronaldo's there Marcus Rashford I I I, I sometimes I feel like, is he ever really that great? I love what he does off the field. What he does off the field is probably the most inspiring thing that anyone could do, right? Mm-hmm. And, but like as a player, it's kind of like, wait, was he really, was he that good? Did we forget? Yeah. You know what uh, I mean? Like, yeah, I, so it's it's funny that you say that because um, I have a friend who's a really good, uh, a really big Liverpool fan as well. Yeah. And um, I feel like Marcus Rashford really divides a lot of public opinion. Yeah, um, that's what I'm getting like, yeah, and I I personally love him. Like, I think he is just what it means to be a United player through and through, and just mm-hmm. like being a, and being an overall a good person through and through. Um, and I think he had like he's had a a quite unusual rise to where he is now. Like, he was a substitute on a team sheet where he wasn't even supposed to be, and then when somebody got hurt, he stepped in and scored. And you know, like. He was just thrown in at, I think he was like 18. Like he was just thrown in at such a young age. And I feel like, I feel like, I don't know. It's hard yeah. because with a, such a young player, you know, like he's still only like 23 or 24. Like it's, We forget that. Exactly. And so since he's been around for so long, it's hard to, or it's easy to kind of pass judgment on him and be like, well, he's been around for this long, you know, like. He should be pitching in more and more and more. But we have to look at the fact that he is so young. He's still growing. He's He's got a long way to go in this United team. And um, he's been battling injuries for a long time. A lot of people kind of surface level don't really see that. Um, he, he'd been in, he hadn't been injury free in two years. Like that says a lot about somebody who's just kind of showing up and doing what the coach needs him to do. So I think it's, it's hard. It's easy to pass judgment on someone like him. We don't know the full picture, um, but yeah, it's he really does divide public opinion. I think a lot of people like what he does off the field, of course. It's hard to think that um, he's a a bad person, you know, but on the field, I think a lot of people don't really see the full picture. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I think the one thing I do like about Manchester United for sure is that, um, I mean, it's both good and bad, I guess, from what Marcus Fasher is that they do keep all players to very high standard. If you want to play United, this is what we expect. But at the same right. time, which is great. I mean, but at the same time, what I do, what bothers me is that, but you also have to be realistic to, uh, you know, the point that you're alluding to is he's still a young man who's still developing his game. 23 is still a young age, you know, and you get a better picture of the product by the time they turn, let's say, 25, maybe 26. Right, right. You know, where you're like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, became world-class at maybe 23 but like I'm, right well right. i mean that's that's totally that's kind of that's not fair because it's ronaldo but i mean <laughs> but at the same well, time, I mean, he's, he started at united too at such a young age and like i feel like although we kind of molded him to what he needed to be to succeed on a bigger scale i think yeah. he really didn't hit that like you know world peak until he was at Real Madrid like that. That's true. 100%. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. So 
but then there's another thing. There's another point I would kind of go back to because you say, you know, we should trust Raf, Raf Ragnick and, you know, let him do his thing. It's it's not even been a year. It's been like, what, three months? I was going to say, yeah, it's not even been that long at all. Like he just showed up and yeah, he probably doesn't even have a house yet. He's probably still living in a hotel at this rate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he hasn't even unpacked his bags yet. Exactly. So uh, I do agree where you have to give him some time. But then there's like all this, you know, as you're seeing the media circus and the flurry that's coming out of the club. I'm starting to notice and realize that there's a divide between should be a, a blaming divide, if you will. Uh, should we be blaming the players based on what Ronaldo said in that famous interview? Or should we be blaming the management? You know, some people aren't happy with the manager, the way he's doing things. And then Ronaldo's saying a lot of players have become celebrities and they can't. Right. Right. Racism. I mean, Ronaldo. So, yeah. So full disclosure, I honestly haven't even watched the Ronaldo interview. I mean, I, I've heard mm-hmm. all about it and I know what the gist of the interview is. Yeah. Um, but like, since I said, I, I don't really like to give into that media circus. So uh, I think, I think it, at the end of the day, yes, your coach is setting your lineups. Your coach is is giving you all the tools you need to succeed, but it's up to the players to succeed. And I've said that for any club. Like, ultimately, your coach isn't on the field. He Maybe your coach has played and they've, they've been in your shoes, but you're on the field. You're the one producing results. It's up to you to motivate yourself. Uh, and it's every opportunity is what you make of it. And I think... A lot of players are just, it's so easy to have a cop out and, you know, like blame the, blame the management, blame the tactics, blame all of this. And when the, the blame should really just be kind of on you, you can only control what you do. No one else is out there playing for you. If another team's going to want it, they're going to want it as much as you do, if not more. And if you can't compete with that, then you shouldn't be a United player. That's mm. this club comes with extreme scrutiny. And so these players know exactly what they're getting into when they're signing up to be with a club like us. It's not, it's not, like I said, it's not for the faint of heart. Even as a player, you're not, you're not just kind of walking in to, to start on a team and like, you know, it's, it's not going to be smooth sailing. Like that's, that's what everybody needs to understand. It's not going to be smooth sailing for any team. So I think these players just kind of need to get it like through their heads that, they are the ones that are out there. They they can only control their destiny. And the rest, like, they're just going to have to learn to live with it. So, yeah. Sometimes I wonder if um, what Manchester United, some of these young talents have become a little too famous at a young age. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, do you, sometimes, yeah. do you sometimes wonder that's also a factor? Like, you know, you've been paid so much and you have all this hype, not just media hype, but you get a lot more social media hype. Right. And... Your entire career is pretty much one big highlight reel and people only see the highlight reels. Exactly. And, you know what I mean? Like, so I, in a way, I'm empathetic to the players where they've been hyped up. So that's where the confidence builds. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you're, you're not playing well enough. You need to accept right, that. Right, right. So- well, and even like, I mean, I know that they have this extreme scrutiny. Like, mm-hmm. even as a player, like when I wasn't producing, like I always had this immense amount of pressure on myself and on my team, like to kind of, do what you're supposed to do, you know? And I can only imagine that it's just amplified by a thousand by being a United player. And that's, that's perfectly fine. But ultimately, like, you're on a, you're on this team for a reason. You, you, you know what you're getting into mm-hmm. and it's just up to you to perform, like do what you can do. Um, don't really, I, I would say players like don't really give into the media scrutiny. Like yeah. it's, it's easy to kind of get wrapped up in that, but like do what you can. And 
your numbers will speak for themselves. And uh, because like when I look at the squad, the Manchester United squad, it's a really talented team. Like right, all right. the pieces are there. And and this is where okay, I'll, I'll get straight to it. So how do you feel about Paul Pugba? Do you think he, they're playing him wrong? Do you think he should leave? Do you think like what's the so, deal? Like yeah, besides so, him being injured. Yeah. Um I I've said this many times like to my to my other friends and like when I had my own podcast a while ago, like I I would say this all the time on there. I this and this this isn't even just for Paul Pog, but this is for a lot of players that play internationally. I have a tendency to like a player when they play internationally or when they play in like a system that is really suited for them. Right. Rather than like when they play club wise. And I think he's one of those examples where Oh, yeah. I I love the French national team. I love the system they have him in where he can just create and be flexible and, you know, move off the ball and all of this stuff. But I think for some reason, a lot of coaches have just not been able to put him in a system that works for him. Mm. And we've seen like glimpses of it, like what he can do. Like on the first day of the season, he had four assists. Like, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that's insane. And so I think... Playing him in a system that works for him is what we should do because he he is known to do that. But I know that's also it's just like not realistic to just cater to one player. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, I like Paul Pogba as a guy, as and I like him as a member of our squad because I know what he can do. I just don't think that that full potential has really been unlocked. And it's like, if we if it has been unlocked, then it's only been for like these tiny glimpses or like he'll get injured or we just like won't play him right in the system again or you know it's just like it's it's always what's next for him like I feel like he has yeah he's never truly hit that that like that moment you know when everybody was like wanting him to come back from Juve like I I felt like he was so hyped up at Juve mm. and he was just like he was undoubtedly like one of the best players in that squad and just amazing you know like it was it was hard to dispute that and i feel like now it's it's really easy for people to pass judgment on him yeah i that's why that's why i feel like he'll most likely end up going to madrid or something where the system they do play really works in his favor where they allow the midfielders to be creative like luka Modric, tony cruz uh, look the same as they did five years ago, and it's- exactly, and it's and it says a lot because they are getting older, right? Yeah, yeah, they, exactly. They're they're pushing forty, or, or they could be. I I'm not sure how old they are, but like they're 30s, they're yeah, yeah, they're getting older, and they're still known as like these world class players in like a world class team. And I want that for I want that for anybody that comes into our team, but like somebody like Paul Pogba who has this just like massive potential and we've seen what he has done like for france in the world cup and even in the euros in 2016 like how he was just creating back then like somebody as good as him should be in a team that can fit him in their system and if he would just wouldn't miss a beat yeah i mean i remember that season at juve he was what made him so good was as you're saying that creativeness but you could just tell that there was a, a weight off his shoulder you could just do what exactly exactly and that's what it is for france i mean a lot of people don't really rate Deschamps as a good manager, mm. but if there's one thing that Deschamps can do is play players in a like given system, and it will work for them. And it, yeah. it, it I feel like the same. Um, I feel like the same. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess the same, <laughs> exam- the same example is um, with Antoine Griezmann. Like I feel like when Antoine Griezmann was at Atletico, uh, like 
I mean, he was he was a number ten. Um, but like when when everybody started coming into that squad, he was pushed up to being a number nine. Like, yeah, it just I don't think a number nine really works for a player like Griezmann. And when he plays for France, he plays as a number ten. Like he's dishing the ball left and right, and I think he's so good there. And you can see clearly like somebody who's like playing for club and is not really reaching their untapped potential when they're playing for their national team, you know? And Paul Pong's the exact same way. You have to put them in a system that works and let them do what they do and they'll show up. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I That's the thing about... That's the thing about Manchester United where I, I'm always scratching my head. I'm like, you have everything. All the pieces are there. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it, it how, are you not, how are you not making this work, you know? And it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. And a lot of people, like, the amount of people that have told me, like, you guys should be winning the league and you guys should be winning the Champions League and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's so much more than that. It, mm. it, it sucks to say, but it, it's so much more than that. Like, just because you have the squad, you have to have a manager that can, like, work the system well, tactically set you up against these good teams and just make, ha- like, have really good decision-making. I, for one thing, I felt like Ole's decision-making was just not fantastic. Mm. Um, there were There were some moments where like what he did really worked, but there were some moments where like we were just all left scratching our heads, like why he wouldn't make a sub before the 75th minute. Like in what world is that necessary, you know? So yeah. as long as we have these managers that are kind of proven and are putting our players in the systems that they were really developing, like that's great, but it's it's a lot easier um, on paper than it really is in real life. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like, I think also people tend to compare Manchester United to the other rivaling clubs, let's say like City or Liverpool. Exactly. But those those two clubs, is a, those are very long-term projects. Like Guardiola has been there for like six, seven years. I, I was going to say like he has really transformed them. Like, I mean, yeah. City has never been a bad club by any means, but they were really at the next level when Pep came in and was working on them with the long-term project. And we just haven't had that stability since Alex Ferguson. Like that's... Mm. He was there for so long and he he proved his system over so many years and had this long reign of terror where people just were afraid to play us. Like, and I mean, granted, I never lived through most of Sir Alex Ferguson. I lived through two years of him. So yeah. um I I wasn't around when I when people saw like just the the sheer fear that people like had when they played us. But if we could get back to that, like we have glimpses of it where we're just scary to be around. If we could get back to that on a full-time basis, no one could touch us. Yeah. And that's a, that's the interesting thing is um, I, I want to switch gears a little bit though. Uh, you you just mentioned a good point where you hadn't seen that era of, uh, of Sir Alex Ferguson and Manchester United. Do you sometimes get the feeling that you, you missed the train? You know what I mean? You missed something really good. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, honestly, I do. Um, and it's hard for people. Like, I see so many people. I, granted, I feel like I'm not part of, like, the, you know, the the larger Man United community where, like, I have so many friends that are, like, Man United fans and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. but I feel like I still am missing out on, like, what it was like to, like, win the treble or, like, yeah, you know, like really experience the the height of like what it was to be a United player. Like uh, the best examples would be like '08 or like mm-hmm. 1999. You know, like just their best seasons by a mile. Like I wish people talk about it. Like my boss, he um 
he is a United fan and um, he lived through like a lot of that stuff. And he tells me like, you know, like he he's from England and he also, um, he he's been to like many of the games. And so he was like, it's just, it was nothing like it, you know, like, and so I hear stories from him and like, I feel like I missed out on it, but at the same time, I probably wouldn't trade my like path into United fandom. Like, I think it's honestly Mm. made me not a fair weather fan. Like, yeah, I've tasted the success um, and it was ripped away from me. Um, <laughs> and so now, like, I just, I can't imagine not watching them. And it, it makes those moments so much better when they do, like, like that PSG game. Or I mean, both PSG games. Oh, like, yeah. Those yeah, or games. like when they, when they went to Turin and beat Juve away. Like, mm. games like that, just like, they make you have chills. So like, mm. if we could get back to that, I would be the happiest person in the world. But having just that, you know, like that taste of it, it makes you so hungry for more. Yeah, I I kind of had the opposite or yeah, the opposite from you where I started watching Liverpool around 20, around the same time as you, 2012. I was watching Real Madrid almost my entire life. And then I was, and I switched to Liverpool because I always loved the Premier League. And I thought if mm-hmm. I'm going to watch this league, I want to be invested in a club because that's the first right. thing I do. But now it's gone to a point where I was like, maybe I should have just stayed neutral because every team's a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but like, it's hard because honestly, like I remember when I first started watching, um, I kind of just dove headfirst in and it was like, my, back then, like there were clubs that were just kind of like undoubtedly great. And then they were like, always like the, the it was just like the big six was really the big six back then because yeah. it was just like those teams always shuffled around, but it was still like, it was always those six teams just dominating. And so I feel like now we've had a little bit of a disparity. Like, you know, there's teams now that are in European contention that have just like not been there in years and years and years. Like West Ham this year, even last year. Oh, incredible. Yeah. And like when Leicester obviously won in 2015, I think. Yeah. yeah, like stuff like that was just insane. So mm. I feel like we're living in a completely different time where just teams are like really coming out of nowhere. But yeah, it's 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 hard. It's hard being a Premier <laughs> and it's hard being United fan. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's one of the joys of being a Premier League fan is that every big club. Uh, now we're starting to notice it now. That every big club has their ebbs and flows. You know, they, exactly. You know, you have this period of like, I mean, Liverpool is going through this now, and I know in two, three years' time, it's gonna come crashing down so hard. I just, <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it, and it, you you go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, and that's it, it. it. And it's just like, I mean, like, honestly, I'm not a Liverpool fan, and like Liverpool, mm-hmm. the thought of like, you know, being a Liverpool fan, is like sad to me, only because like, you know, it's just it's ingrained in you to be like a rival fan, you know. Yeah. Uh, not because I, I appreciate you guys' squad and what that like. What, of course, yeah, yeah. but it's funny. It's yeah. a funny statement. It's like it's yeah. sad to me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, like you have to appreciate as a being a, like a, a general like soccer fan, yeah. you have to appreciate what they've done. Like that project is insane. Insane. You know? being, being world beaters and like you know winning the Champions League and winning the Premier League in a calendar year and just like the meteoric rise they had, just like. They went. They literally went from zero to one hundred in one yeah. season, and it was insane. And what I love is that the players they did buy, some of them were big money, but a lot of them were like, you know, Mohamed Salah is a big Chelsea reject that everybody remembers him being a Chelsea reject. Exactly. Uh, Sadio Mane and Virgil Van Dijk were in Southampton. Like all these 
players that they got who won the league and won the Champions League were all from like mid to low level clubs right, in England right. or out of England. It's so much better. Yeah, it's, so it's kind of like uh, the scouting. So the scouting is very money ball in that regards. You know what I mean? They just bought exactly. the right players that worked, except for maybe like Allison or Van Dyke, where like they paid a lot. And right, uh, right. Salah but was big money too, I think. It's like, you know, it doesn't even matter. If they're good, yeah. pieces, if they're going to have these proven results, then like it's worth the money. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I'm like, Liverpool resign the Salah contract, just just resign it. Just give him the money he wants. <laughs> like, <you> gotta... <laughs> yeah, and I, a lot of people have been saying that. I mean, like, I and I, it's funny that you say that because a lot of people, I also feel like, have this divided opinion on Salah. Like, mm. and I just don't, I don't, as a person from the outside, I don't see it because I see what he's done to our team. Like, he... A hat trick at Old Trafford. Like, that's exactly. just nothing. And I mean, even like the the Allison assist from last season. Oh where my he, god! Yeah, yeah, like stuff like that. Like from the outside, you want to hate most lost so bad. Like, and I want <laughs> I want to hate him so bad, but like I can't. Like, you have to appreciate greatness. Yeah. And so whenever whenever I see like the negative from Liverpool fans on Salah, like I'm like, are you guys crazy? Like, and to <laughs> take him in an instant. Like, what what, what did you hear? Like uh, about. The negative comments about Salah from Liverpool fans, because like the only one that I hear, hear the most is that sometimes he doesn't pass and sometimes he doesn't right. finish. Which I'm like, yeah, I mean, it happens. But the Denny striker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I hear it's mainly just like they want to sell him, and um, they think like, I mean, he like they think he flops and like just you know so like he mm-hmm. set such a high bar for himself, and that's I think what fans are like. They're always gonna be holding up to that, like, that season where he scored 23 goals. Like, they're always going to be stacking himself, his current self up to that. Like, you know, when he was just at his best form. And so, I mean, it it sucks because as a player, like, you want to set these high goals and you want to constantly outdo yourself. But that's just not always possible. Um, and if you're going to, if that's his best season, which I doubt it will be, but if if that was his best season, then, like, he's always going to face... He's the only person he's going to face is himself. So it's just, it's kind of unfair criticism at the same time. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I definitely agree. And I think they should definitely re-sign him. Uh, But going back to, but going back to United, do you feel like the criticisms that Ronaldo get, I mean, does Ronaldo get criticism from United fans or is Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. Okay, like what? Because I don't, I don't hear it. So, because all, all yeah, my friends are yeah. like huge Ronaldo fans. So, right, right. What are the criticism so, he gets? I will say full disclosure. Like, I'm really not a, a Ronaldo fan, oh. uh, and I, I appreciate like what kind of what he did for us in the past, and like the player that we made him. Like, I always say, like Ronaldo United was just like this untouchable guy. Yeah. Um, but I'm really not a Ronaldo fan. Like, I. It, that's so that's kind of my first disclosure but um i the criticism mainly comes from like we have to play a certain system for him to excel and it's just like like over the weekend um all right it wasn't this past weekend i think it was last weekend um when he was subbed out or it might have been midweek when he was subbed out and uh and like his attitude coming off you know like yeah it just stuff like that like it, the cameras are always going to be on him and so inevitably they're going to catch him slip and i think a lot of a lot of the criticism comes from like the moments that we see on camera um obviously with that interview like there was a lot of backlash around that um and then there's just kind of like the criticism of like 
did we even need him? Um, was it necessary to sign him or, we, or were you just making a statement to get away from City? Like, it was, there's a lot of criticism around him. Uh, and obviously the people like that are fans of him are like, there's no way we didn't need him and like what his impact has been like wasn't necessary. But yeah, that's that's the bit, the bit of it in a nutshell. Because mm. like, I th- I feel like the Ronaldo move was more of a, marketing move more than anything right right I felt, it, it definitely was they tweeted about him for four days after it happened like <laughs> yeah. it just it, it, and like he hadn't even like been seen in a jersey yet you know like yeah just stuff like that it, it was really a pr move and like you see the same thing with like Messi. you know like mm. even though he's left barcelona like when he won the ballon d'or this year barcelona like still had a media campaign for him because they knew they would just like get clicks out of it so i think a lot of it like when you inevitably have like a player with the high caliber as Ronaldo, you're ultimately a lot of it is going to be used for clicks and money and it's going to drive snails and it's going to be a big money move. And at the time, like the gla- the Glazers were just like, they were after the whole uh, Super League thing, they were kind of having to get back in the good graces of the United fans. So seeing Ronaldo come uh... back, yeah, seeing the whole Ronaldo come back, like, they were like, well, if it if it puts us back in the good graces of the United fans and it makes us some money in the process, let's do it. Like, who, hmm. what what owner wouldn't take that opportunity? You know, and also there was a whole thing where he was very close to going to the Manchester City, right? So being exactly. Manchester United, you're like, oh, we cannot let this happen, right? And so like when it was like leaked that like Sir Alex called him and stuff like that, like it's it, clearly it's going to have an effect on the people. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, but still though, like entertaining, <laughs> really entertaining. Right, right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's an incredible entertainer at this point. Like, I, I, I'm obviously exactly. gr- a great athlete. Like, he still does ridiculous things, but like, uh, bottom line, great entertainer. And, and I kind of, I still debate with my friends. I'm like, I think he might end up going to MLS just for the giggles. Uh, I could see that yeah. happening, but not really at the I, same time. I was gonna say, I don't know if America suits him. Uh, oh, really? Oh, I, why not? I don't know. Um, like, there's just some players you can really like imagine kind of dipping their feet in MLS and like really making the most out of it, such as like Nani mm-hmm. or like when Beckham first came, you know, like you can see players like that kind of just making their impact on a city. But for me, like, to me, I feel like Ronaldo would be like, this is beneath. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And also, like, I think... We still- have a reputation... MLS has a reputation of being like a retirement league. And although I feel like they've, they've strayed away from that yeah. uh, in the past few years, like, there's still the stigma from European countries that, like, America has no idea what they're doing. And, like, the development of soccer is just, like, a farce. So mm. I feel like he would be, at least to me, he would be a player that, like, wouldn't buy into the whole American like system yeah i think i mean i I, now i just remembered he still has that uh sexual assault case so that's probably another reason why he would never go to the states right right yeah but also if let's say that wasn't a factor assuming it wasn't a factor i i would agree that he probably wouldn't go to the states if he were to come to the states it would be more for the lifestyle of living in the states exactly and like and he would go to like somewhere like california or Miami. yeah exactly like somewhere with a with a nice Hispanic population. And with a uh, beach. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I feel like he would definitely just want want it for the, I guess, the glamorized version of America. Yeah. 
I, I think so. I'm uh, totally agreement. I can never see him coming to here in Montreal and dealing with this minus 20 outside. I can't see. Him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Toronto, yeah, but not, not, not either. Yeah, and he's not going to, you know, chop it up in Colorado. Or <laughs> no <so>. way. <laughs> uh, speaking of MLS, are you an MLS fan? Yeah, 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 I am. Okay, so, uh, I mean, off, uh, uh, like, off, uh, before we record, you, you said you're from Ohio, right? Yes, yes. I so, love, I'm from Cincinnati. Sorry, say that again? I'm from Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, are you a fan of Cincinnati or... Club. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> so I was a fan of Cincinnati, like when they first came to Cincinnati, that was when I was in high school. And, okay. um, one of my, one of my high school classmates actually at the time, her dad was the, the founder, like, or one of the founders oh. of, uh, Cincinnati. Yeah. So, um, it was, I feel like what they did in USL was just like, so it was so meteorically like amazing, you know, like. A team that has never even played is just like making waves in the MLS or like not making waves in MLS, but um, like we would knock off MLS teams in like the Open Cup, you know? Mm. Um, I remember when we knocked off Columbus Crew and Chicago Fire in the same season in the Open Cup. Wow. And I went to the Chicago Fire game and it was just like one of the most electric atmospheres I've ever been to. Like one of the best games I've ever experienced. So, I mean, I like Cincinnati, um, like being like my hometown, you know? Mm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of their team only just because I feel like there's so many problems. There's so it, it's like one thing after the next. And like, yeah. I feel like this, just the, the lack of consistency and even within like the management, you know, the lack of consistency is just like really, it really hurts them. So I want to see them become the best, like the best version of themselves and like make waves in MLS. And we've seen teams that have become expansion teams that went from like, nothing to being like really good competitors we saw with minnesota you know they yeah. were the laughing stock of the league when they first came in and look at them now like they were title contenders so yeah. it, you can it's it's possible i just think they need a whole a whole rebuild yeah i mean it's kind of how i feel i'm a you know i'm from montreal so i'm a montreal fan so oh it's been a turbulent last uh, last season was very turbulent with the rebrand. Yeah, a lot yeah. of tension. Well, even playing, we're in Florida or California. Yeah, or yeah. So. Oh, that, that and I spoken to some of the players, and they said that. Uh, I mean, they they also they kind of enjoyed being in Miami opposed to here. <laughs> that's the first. Right, time. right. They're like, it was, but you're it was, so far away from home and stuff. That's the issue is that a lot of those players aren't accustomed to playing in high humidity like that and high heat. You know what I mean? Like exactly. So it's a different ball game. Like I, there are moments where I watch them play. I'm like, these boys look tired after 20 minutes. And then I have to f- mm-hmm. remember, it's like, it's, I mean, obviously I don't know my Fahrenheit, but like, it's like 32 degrees Celsius with humidity. It's like, I don't know, almost 40. Right. I was like, yeah, that must be brutal yeah. for these guys. Yeah. But yeah, but that, but that being said, is there a, cl- I mean, is there a club, maybe not just an MLS, but um, in, in, in the States that has a similar pressure and history as Manchester United, because I think of New York Yankees right away in terms. Yeah, of, yeah. You know I mean? um, or even I, just an MLS. Is there a club like that? Right. Um, I would probably say, like, I mean, it's the the Ohio in me wants to say Columbus so bad because, mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, but like they they did have a good year in '08, and I think that's when they won. Uh, they obviously won in 2018, but um, I would say the most comparable would be like. 
LA Galaxy, you know? They yeah. Have such, they have such ebbs and flows and like, they really depend on these kind of big money sightings. Like when they, most of their MLS cups were with Landon Donovan, you know? And like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And like when, um, when Zlatan was there and like when Beckham was there, like those are their big money signings, you know? And so they, they had periods where like, they were just not as good as they were like supposed to be. And they would kind of be like mid table or lower table, you know, but mm. they were still a really good team on paper. And it would just, it was just like having the right management, having the right, you know, team culture and all that stuff. So I think they're probably the most comparable. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and like they're they're really well funded. They're in a great area, and people kind of know them like off the bat when you talk about MLS uh, as being one of the teams that has the most MLS cups and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, they had an amazing away kid last season. The oh yeah, oh my god, oh, that was so funny. nice. Yeah, and I loved their uh, their striped kit, and I don't think that was the same one. Wait, but, it, it is the 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 black and green one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I was yeah they're away or home but uh i love that i still want to get it so yeah me too i'm like i saw that i'm like i might get that myself i'm like that's really yeah. nice it's really nice yeah it is super nice and okay this is a bit speaking of jerseys how do you feel about manchester united going from nike to adidas i thought that was weird i still find it kind of weird yeah so ultimately like you're gonna go where the money is right and um, but I mean, Nike was like producing some of their best kits. Are you yes. kidding me? Yeah. It's... My first, my first ever Jersey was, um, it was the, the black and blue striped one. And I had Chi Chi. Oh Chico. yeah. yeah that, that was one. my first, that was my first ever kit. And I loved it so much. Like, so, I mean, they were, they were producing fire kits, like yes. without a doubt. Um, their solid black kit was just like untouchable to me or like back when like team geist was around um i think that's adidas but um but like even just in other cultures like uh and not other cultures but like other um other countries uh like when team geist was around and stuff like that like that was kind of the era we lived in was just like retro was like cool looking you know yeah so uh and they were tapping back into like their like dark blue and like green and stuff like that like way back when so i feel like they had the freedom to do that with psyche um and so with the dds like i mean i've bought a few of man united's kits um like i have the the not dark blue but the light blue one for this season um i got the zebra kit from last season like that's mm. one of my all-time favorite kits but like i just feel like when they were with Nike, like it was more authentically united like yeah it, that's it how i feel helped. it yeah with the aeon sponsor like aig mm. like it felt like truly united. And so with Adidas, like, I remember the Chevy logo, everybody was like up in arms about that. <laughs> like, it's just, it feels like it's like a never ending, like people hate the jerseys and stuff like that. So, I mean, they haven't had bad kids by any means. I don't think post, I, I don't think they've had like a single truly bad, bad kit. Um, but I do think it could be a lot better and they could have some, I wish they had more freedom as such, like, like a, an Inter or like a Venezia or mm. something, you know? Yeah, be more creative. Be more, uh, I guess, standout, if you will. Exactly. Like, like yeah. somebody who's like, I, I feel like even though Venezia is not a bad club, like they're they're known for those those kids. Oh, that so nice. Season. Exactly. So nice. Yeah, and so it's 
if you have a good kit, people will come. I feel like the same thing is with um, Forward Madison in USL. Like they had their drip kit. It was like a marble kit and it was so clean. And like, mm. I had never washed Forward Madison in my life, but that kit was amazing. Like a showstopper. So I feel like a good kit will say everything about your team. I think uh, I totally agree. It's um, It does have the marketing for you. Imagine exactly. like imagine a random guy walking downtown and he's wearing a really nice kit. Everyone's gonna be like, "What is that? What what jersey is that?" What, what right, is that? exactly. Yeah. And I feel like if you just have that, like people, it might pique their interest in the sport ultimately. Yeah, exactly. And I that's what that's why I feel kind of weird about Liverpool going to Nike, because I always liked the New Balance jerseys. I thought they were really nice, New Balance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... I like their night kids this season, though. They didn't nice. up this season, I will say. Oh, but they're, they're, I think it was the cream white away kit. I really want that. And it's always, <laughs> always sold out. That, that one's yeah. like forever sold out. And it, yeah, I, it, it's a nice kit. Like, I, yeah. I really liked their kit lineup for this season. I, it, if they weren't Liverpool kits, like, I totally would have. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, hundred percent. But that's the thing. It's like, like to your point about Manchester United. I always liked Nike because I grew up seeing Manchester United being a Nike sponsored team, where right. everything was Nike, and it just, it just, as you said, it was. It felt authentically United. Exactly. And, yeah, that's what I really love. And how do you? Okay, another random question about kids because now we're going down this path, and I'm actually, <laughs> doing, I'm enjoying this one actually. It's how do you feel about Puma? I was having this conversation with a friend and how do you feel about Puma kits? Uh, the only, yeah. ones, only ones I like are the Italy jerseys and that's it. I only like how right. they do it for Italy and uh, some African countries. Yeah. So I was going to say off the bat, like I can't really think of many Puma kits that like I'm truly in love with. Yeah. Uh, and I think one thing that's like off-putting about Puma kits is like, they're so like, whenever you see players wearing Puma kits, it's so tight. Like, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's so weird. It's it's just weird. Like no player should like, especially when you sweat through your uniforms. Like no player should just like be drenched in a uniform. Like it it just it's so weird to me. Like so, I think that's one thing that's like really off putting for me, at least about uh about like a, a Puma kit. It's just the the fit. Um, if I think if they worked on that and just, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to even think of like puma kits that i like and i it's hard for me to think of one so that says enough you know yeah <laughs> yeah like um well at least if, uh, that's a, i think the main thing i don't like about puma kits is that it's just obnoxiously tight on them i'm like it doesn't need right. so tight i don't understand yeah, well and i remember uh this summer like when they released like the Man City kit, like the or oh, also <laughs> in like the same the same format but just different teams. Like, yeah, so many people did not like that. It was so, so ugly. I didn't like. Yeah, it. so I I their footwear is a lot better mm. than their their dress. Like I the Tequila is one of my favorite like silos of the cleat. I don't know why, <laughs> but it's just so nice to me. So I definitely think their footwear is a lot better. Yeah, they gotta hire someone else for the kit department. That's for sure. Yeah, they gotta find someone else. It's it's it's. I, know, I get the get the sizing correct, and they'll be okay. I, honestly, that's all it is. It's like if you just get the sizing right, it's like that's half the battle. And then yeah, yeah, it, it's it, I just can't like it's hard for me to like look at a, a jersey that's just way too tight on a player. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, it's kind of flowing free, like, and you see like a tight jersey. I'm just like, 
does that not pain you yeah like for because there's one jersey i had to wear for this one season and it was like a little too tight but i was like ah, it's good enough but it i didn't account for that when i sweat and i had to let's say take it off it just it just it was it was so difficult to take off i was like i want to rip it off so when i see them wearing something that tight i'm like i just want to rip it off like exactly exactly and i'm i'm honestly looking right now um the only kit that i did like really really like was ac milan's um away kit for this season it's like a cream color oh yeah that Um, one's nice that one's yeah that's like yeah that was i'm looking back um through like a bunch of pictures that i have and that is one of the only ones that i was like wow i i would really wear this one and i guess i'm just a sucker for like cream colored or like you know neutral colored jersey <laughs> that's why i like liverpool one like so much because it's like yeah. a neutral color but yeah that one i was like okay i'll buy this but the rest of them like uh it's just a kind of it, it's kind of basic yeah it's it's uh it's kind of basic I, I i remember saying uh at least for the city and borussia dortmund jerseys I, I, they kind of look like those knockoff jerseys that you could find anywhere yeah they do I, 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 that's why i don't like it like yeah, they just look like knockoff jerseys. And I'm like, mm, it just it just doesn't it doesn't look prestigious. That's what I don't yeah. like. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's it. I mean, I mean, if they have a creative vision, like that's fine. But at the same time, I'm like, this is not going to drive sales. No, <laughs> it's going to be very regional, where only the people who like the club will buy those jerseys. Even at that, I feel like there might be some people who are hesitant. They're like, eh, I'll wait for next yeah. year's. Yeah, but, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and um. Uh oh yeah, so you said you work for US soccer, right? Or sorry, not US soccer, soccer.com. Yes, I work for soccer.com. Okay, so what exactly do you do with them if you're allowed to disclose that? Oh yeah, that's fine. Um uh, so I do social media. Um okay. uh, I uh I do Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Um yeah, I surface level, it's kind of just posting hmm. um like product that we have and um but deeper than that, like it really just depends on the day honestly like some days we'll have access with athletes um and we'll film content with them and you know just do fun things with them or we'll go to certain events like we went to the premier league fan fest and uh oh, we were, yeah it was it was a lot of fun um and so we just kind of were there building hype around the event and so it's really day to day just one day i could be in the office making tiktoks um yeah or another day i could I don't know, be at on a plane somewhere going to the next event. So that's yeah. cool. So uh, you said your boss is a Manchester United fan. So yes, he is. Within your the within soccer.com, how many of them are like Manchester United fans? That, that I'm I'm kind of <laughs> curious now. <laughs> like Yeah. Um so it's hard to it's hard to tell because we're not like back in office right. fully. Um I mean I go in and like my boss comes in, but I would say about 75% of our office isn't back in yet. Um, from what I'm here, there are plenty of United fans, like no shortage of them. Um, and it's it's funny because my my coworker is like a diehard Man City fan and she sits like a couple oh. yeah, she sits a couple <laughs> a couple seats away from me. And so we're always going back and forth. Um, hilarious. Yeah, and her her cube is like all it's all it's I oh my gosh, I wish I had a photo, but uh like all Man City, like everything. It's just a couple of things sprinkled in, but like it's pretty much Man City everything. That's and then you go to you. <laughs> you're like, Ugh. yeah, so, it hurts <laughs> like going down to her office to talk to her. Um, <laughs> but like you, you come to my cube, and I have like United flag and a couple of uh, scarves and stuff like that. So 
I would say, from what I hear, there's a lot of United fans, but it's, there's a pretty, a pretty good, I, I think it's like a lot of bigger teams that people are mostly fans of. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what I gather. Cause like, I, I think it's the same in Canada, Canada, United States, probably a very similar situation where I encounter that most of the people here, even when I go to the States for whatever reason, most of the people are either Manchester United fans or Arsenal fans. The, right. Right. Yeah. And I think. I was telling one of my friends, like, you really don't see a lot of Man City fans. And I think no. it's only because, like, Man City has really only had to come up in the last, like, six, seven years. Yeah. So I, I think it, I feel like most people are kind of doctored into being, like, United fans or Arsenal fans or Liverpool fans even, like, yeah. or Chelsea, Chelsea fans especially. Like, we're, we're, kind, of, we're kind of doctored into that. Um, and then City fans are kind of just, like, more recently popping up. Yeah, uh, actually, I remember uh, I was in New York City with a friend. We're just there for, you know, visiting. And we decided to go to the Nike store in Manhattan. We're like, all right, let's go to Nike store. It's like 10 stories. Like, it looks amazing. And we're just walking around. And I'm noticing a lot of Tottenham fans. And I'm like, why are you? Why are there like so many random amount of Tottenham fans <laughs> at Nike? I'm like, what's going on? So I go to the staff, uh, to a guy working there. I'm like, hey, uh, why is there a lot of people wearing Tottenham jerseys? Is there something happening? And he was like, okay, you've clued in. Uh, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but the team, the Tottenham Hotspurs team, is coming in to sign autographs and jerseys. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, so here they're coming to take pictures, but only with the New York City Tottenham fan club. And I was like, he, I was like, but can I like watch them? He's like, you could stand here or there, but you can't be there for the autograph signings and whatever, and uh, meet the players. So I got to watch them walk past and take pictures of them. And I, and when I saw all the Tottenham fans, I was like, oh, you guys are real Tottenham fans because they're wearing like old school jerseys. And I'm like, Rock. wow. I was like, yeah. this, this fan club was only like 500 people. And now it probably doubled because they've been you know, on the come up as well. Exactly. It's just very niche. Exactly. But then, and then the one thing that, uh, that struck me was when I saw the first team come out, uh, Sonung Min, I'm Korean. So Sonung Min, I was like, is he here? And he, was, <laughs> he wasn't because he broke his arm. So I guess he was like out somewhere. But they're all tall. They're really tall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. TV really distorts, like, how yeah. many players, but they're all, like, at least six foot tall. That's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, I mean, Hugo Loris was 6'5", for sure, but everyone else averages 6'2", and the only average height person that was my height at 5'10", was, like, Christian Eriksen. And I was like... Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's really crazy. And I was really surprised. I'm like, yo, you guys could be, like, basketball players. I mean, Yeah, for real. If you guys, like, weren't, you know, like, defenders and stuff like that. Yeah, for real. You could all be NBA players easily. They're they're huge. And uh, that's what really surprised me. And, oh, actually, uh, now it reminded me of another thing. Did you go to the game... uh, Manchester United versus Liverpool at Ann Arbor at the Michigan. Yes, I did actually. Okay, I was there too. I was there too. Yeah, I um, I remember I was supposed to go with my mom, and yeah. um, I she couldn't go for some reason. So when me and my friend went, we drove up, and it was just like amazing. We got um, our seats were actually relatively close to the field too. We were behind, we were behind one of the goals, and um, I remember like I want to say we were about. 10 to 15 rows from the bottom like oh that's amazing yeah we were pretty close and it was just like super duper fun super duper electric even though we lost uh, <laughs> yeah. but like i saw the shakiri goal like oh um, yeah, so right? good. it was that was that was right on our uh right on our goal so i remember that like it was yesterday i have so many pictures and it was so much fun oh you were at the liverpool section right 
I think that was in front. I was gonna say it probably was. I mean, there were there was a lot of everybody there, uh, yeah. but and it was a sea of red essentially. Yeah, so you couldn't tell who's who. Yeah, but it it was one of the most fun things I've ever went to. Yeah, uh, same. In a sold out crowd, like a hundred thousand people. Yeah, that was, um, and it was a World Cup year. And yeah, it was it was insane. It that was insane because I went to go visit. Uh, I, I had a buddy who used to live in Indianapolis and. He was like, I bought two tickets. He's a Manchester United fan. He's like, I bought two tickets to United versus Liverpool at Ann Arbor, and you're coming. I'm like, say less. I'll, I'll, meet, <laughs> you in, I'll meet you in Indianapolis. We'll drive up, and you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll do the thing. And I remember driving up. Uh, I, the first thing that caught my attention was the stadium. I'm like, this stadium is huge. Yeah, massive. It. It's. I was like, this is the first time I'm in the stadium with a hundred thousand people. But what I loved the most is that. Um, you know, in England, there's that animosity between Liverpool and Manchester, right? And right. That, well, maybe not animosity, but there's that intensity. Whereas yeah. here, because I think, <laughs> I, I, I remember just talking to my friend, I was like, in England, this would not, never have happened where Liverpool fans and Manchester United fans be, you know, mixing. Right. And I was like, this is one of the added benefits of being a, a foreign fan or like an international fan is that we're just there for the good time. And I felt exactly. like everyone was really there to have a great time. And that was yeah. the most fun. I was gonna say I didn't I didn't experience like any like harmful like yeah. fans or anything like that. Like people were just like, oh, like we're gonna win, but that was about it. Like, <laughs> like you know, like it it was very like surface level kind of teasing. It I mean, and I think American soccer culture, like especially when it comes to European, you know, it's just so like it it's so weird because you'll see yeah. people like at this United game, there were so many people in like. Barcelona jersey. Yes. <laughs> like you, that's the one thing. Like so I'm like, true. you will see every single jersey in the world except for the jersey of the team that is playing. Like, yeah. It's crazy. So I mean a lot of people are just kind of there for a good time. <laughs> yeah. Like I it's funny because I remember going to the Women's World Cup in Canada, I think 2015. And I went to I, I was I was having that exact same conversation with a friend. I think we were watching uh Colombia versus England. Yeah, I think it was Colombia versus England. And uh, I'm just seeing people wearing Real Madrid jerseys and all these other jerseys, and I'm like, yeah, they want to sit there like they are so bad. I feel like, yeah, <laughs> they're, like, they're like, I, I am like part of the the greater soccer community, even though it. I don't really support these two teams. That's it. And I was asking, him, I was like, don't you think it's weird and random? He's like, and he said exactly that point. He's like, I think it's just a matter of you know collective, like uh, just being a part of a collective, being like, I'm a soccer fan, so I'm just gonna wear what I have exactly it, it's hilarious to see like and the impact of like soccer um like culture on the the greater society is just insane because you'll see Same. people even in like i don't like psg is the best example like people just wearing psg clothing. oh yeah yeah because it's so cool like and people have never watched a psg game in their life but like they know that it's cool to wear this psg sweatshirt that you know says junk man so mm. yeah I mean that collab with jump uh, with uh with Jordan it was is still the coolest collaboration. Oh ever. yeah, I have so many pieces from that collection. I have like when when it was first announced, I have just that plain black like pair. Oh, yeah, I have that. Nice. And then I have um uh, I got two pieces this year. I got the um it's like a it's basically the same as like the first one, but it has uh it has instead of just that one Paris logo, it has them all over. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then I have from this season, I got the um, it's like a, it looks like a crossword puzzle, 
Um, but it was the hoodie that Mbappe was wearing um, when they first announced the fourth collaboration. Okay, yeah, um, I know you're yeah, talking about. So I, I, I had been searching for that for a long time, but like obviously supply chain was really uh, <laughs> affecting it. So yeah. I, I finally got my hands on it and I'm obsessed with it. So I, yeah, I have so many PSG pieces. Like my brother got one for, for Christmas and he's not even really a PSG fan, but that mm. tells you like people are just buying these pieces because they look cool. Yeah, I remember. Um... Again, what PSG was on the was making a name for itself. This is before the Jordan collab. I remember being in the, that same trip. I was in New York City. We went to New Jersey for, I guess, for whatever reason. And I just saw guys wearing PSG jerseys, just like going out to a bar and whatever. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, I get the sense they're not soccer fans. But I, also, I realized that it's very much in American culture where uh, guys wearing jerseys, they'll just wear it if it's nice. It's not necessarily because they're fans. That's you know. exactly, yeah, exactly. They will just wear it and they'll buy it and they're just like, this is a fashion statement and that's it. Nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> it's like the same thing with like people wearing your Yankees hat, but they're not a baseball fan. They just, yeah, yeah. Or it's like, the brand. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So it's, um, I, when I noticed this, I was like, oh, okay, this is really interesting. I, I didn't, I didn't realize this because like in Montreal, it's, uh, it's, it's the same thing, of course, but uh not it was never the case with soccer so when i saw this happening in the states i was like oh it, the, the sport's really growing even if yeah. it, especially with nicer jerseys coming out everybody wants to wear those and i was like oh this is really cool yeah it's it the the amount of uh like impact that it's had on just world style in general is just like that's one of my favorite parts yeah. like just seeing people that like have no interest in soccer kind of rocking these like cool pieces or like cool jerseys and stuff like that like it's so cool yeah exactly like for me it was it it was funny because like when i was growing up in the city so like you know much of being a french-speaking city we have a lot of people coming in from different parts of the french-speaking world and a lot of people from paris so they're bringing those styles to the city right I see them all the time but then when i go to when i go to paris or london i see those similar styles then when i went to the states and i'm seeing those styles pop up there and i'm like oh it's because you know this is not something I've noticed before, and now it's happening. Yeah. I, it makes you happy. I'm like, okay, cool. It's spreading. It's, it's you know, it's things are moving around. It's very nice. It's good to yeah, see. Yeah, it's definitely making strides here, which I'm so glad about. So, where do you see that? Then, where do you see um, U.S. soccer scene in the next ten years? I feel like it's gonna get to a really good place, in my opinion. Yeah. So, at least on like a national team level, like I see. Um, I see. Honestly, hopefully I was continuing to qualify for, for World Cups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure how much farther the U.S. national team will go, like, in terms of rankings. Right. Um, because they've at least made top 10. Um, That's so but, great. That's so amazing. I know, I know. I, yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I see the going much further. Uh, fair, fair. But I, still, I think I still see the development of um, the national teams for sure. Like, in the U.S., like the women's soccer pipeline is still so strong. Mm. So I don't see them faltering on any bit of that either. 100%. Um, yeah. And I think just in general, um, I mean, as long as MLS continues to have like good, like DPs and um, like just uh, if they continue to have themselves at a high playing standard, I think they will just, they'll honestly flourish. But yeah. Um, I, I know a lot of people abroad find the qualms with like not having a pro well system. Mm. So like there's, and I, I mean, I see a qualm with the two, like you're, you're buying into a league and 
Um, there's no reward for, you know, like a good season other, other than like an MLS Cup, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Or like a, a CONCACAF Champions League berth. Um, there's no, there's no real reward system. And I think, I don't think that's going to kill them. Um, but I do think that that's one of the questions that's going to continue to be asked of them. Um, and how are they going to continue to reward, um, not good behavior, but, you know, good, a good season. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, I think that's, I, like I said, I think they're just going to continue to grow. They can only go up unless they are just kind of drowned in controversy. But, yeah. um, but I don't really, I don't really see that happening, at least on the men's side. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, also for me, the good sign is that, uh, European scouts are taking North American soccer a little more seriously. Like they're right. actively scouting. Right. Like how many players went to Europe this past year? Like five, six, seven, eight. Like I was going to say, there's so many, and they're still going. And they're still going. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, and honestly, it's so it's so good that like when you look at a national team uh, call up sheet, like you instead of seeing all these like MLS heavy rosters, you're seeing a nice mix if not like a more european tilted squad yes and it's good that they're going to gain so much experience for playing at the highest level with the highest level players that when it is world cup time they understand the standards that they'll be playing at you know what i mean exactly exactly i agree with that so i mean i feel the same way with canada i think can we did not i think the question i had a discussion with a friend again and and uh what we asked was what i asked is like did you think that Canada soccer would ever make it to this uh, level, to this extent? And he was like, yes, but not this soon. And right. I'm totally on the same boat. So do you feel like, I, I thought for getting to that point with the U.S. not making to the last World Cup, I felt like that was necessary. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like it was a turning point for them, for sure. Um, I, I think what really drove it was kind of the, the scrutiny even from like non-soccer people like people were just always kind of like well they didn't qualify so they must not be good and i feel like i feel like the thought of like the u.s being set back was really what like drove them to continue to push forward yes. and like qualify for this world cup and make sure they did whatever was necessary to qualify for this one yeah you know exactly and um so yeah i'm, I'm kind i'm kind of optimistic about, i'm pretty optimistic about north american soccer in general and before I let you go, I want to ask uh, one or two more questions. Have okay. you ever been to Manchester? No, I wish. My, <laughs> my boss has promised me a trip to Old Trafford eventually. Oh my I God. Don't know, I don't know when it's happening. Uh, it could be years and years from now, but he has promised me a trip. So <laughs> eventually I will go. <laughs> oh man, that would that, that, be such an experience. Uh, when If ever you do... Uh, report back and tell me yeah. about that experience <laughs> because um this is this is kind of what this podcast is about right like i want to talk to people who want to go or who have been to these places and what their experience is like but we're limited at doing that right now so yeah yeah uh, I, it's definitely on my way it's the top of my list to go there and second okay maybe there's a deep question so uh, it's do you sometimes feel um the cultural difference between yourself as a manchester united fan and the native Manchester United fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, like, do you feel um, like there's something about it? You're just like, oh, this is really different that I don't understand. Right. Um, 
I don't know if I necessarily feel like a like a a true difference other than like not just have not having the full experience of like what it is to be united man and like what it was what it meant mm-hmm. to like grow up as a fan and such like you hear about people who like stick their kids on the wait list um for season tickets like when they're first born you know it's like a 20 it's like a 20 to 25 year waiting list. Wow. like yeah so you hear about people that like stick their kids on there at such a young age like people that I don't know, like their families grew up going to United Games yeah. and stuff like that. Like you hear about all these things and you're just like, I, I think people think less of people. I think, I feel like Manchester fans or like any fan um, mm. would feel less of somebody else if they haven't been there, even if it's out of their control. Um, it, it's like, it's almost like you're uh you're kind of second class um, in a way. Like you're not, you're you're not, you're not getting the full experience, and you're not doing everything you can to get the full experience. I don't know. That's kind of no, oh, that's, I, yeah. I no, no. That's 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 kind of profound. That's uh, I I kind of feel the same way with Liverpool. Uh, there's aspects because I never been to a Liverpool game, but I went to a West Ham game in London, and even just going to that, I realized this is an aspect of football that I do not understand. That intense passion where um, you grew up watching this club and that it's it's been your life and it's been a, a family thing, right? And it's right, right. It, it's really deep. So I was just like, oh, okay, this is really different. And I guess this a comparable way would be uh I, I was at a I was in Europe with a friend who's of Irish descent and he met these guys who are uh Irish from Ireland, I think from Dublin or yeah, I think they said they're from Dublin. And he just started talking to him. He was like, Oh, you guys are Irish, and he was like, I'm Irish. Well, I mean, Irish Canadian. And then the way they talked to him, they're still very friendly. They're like, oh, you're cool. But there is that layer of like, yeah, but you're not, you're not really Irish. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. I, I, it's, I like, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. And I mean, we're probably victims of it as well. We're like, mm. if we, if we've grown up watching a sports team and we've gone to their games and such, like, you're going to feel like somebody who lives in ah. whatever else is just like, you know, like, They've only seen them on TV and they're kind of like a fair weather fan or something. Like, yeah, I, I we're all victims of it. But yeah. um, I think at a certain point, like it, it comes down to if you are a fan, if you're not um, and just your knowledge and your passion for it. Like I I'm super passionate about Man United, as you can probably see. And like, I feel like that doesn't make me less of a fan than someone else who just lives in manchester you know like yeah i see your point i i could still list off like all of our players from the last like billion seasons and stuff like that like i can do those things it it shouldn't matter if i live in europe or not yeah i guess the only advantage of the other person is that they were just uh blessed with geography at the end of the day that's that's really what it is exactly they were they were lucky enough to be born in england uh where i would love to be so (laughs) (laughs) that's fair and um okay well on that note janelle thank you so much for coming on uh appreciate it thank you for having me thank you no again thank you tugwa for linking us again uh as this is a Darby Cast Network podcast, and you know, and I'm being connected with people like you, and this conversation was honestly really nice. I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, it. yeah, I had a good time too. So, uh, to everyone listening, make sure to uh, follow and subscribe the Soccer Pilgrim on Spotify, or you can follow the Soccer Pilgrim my Instagram account at the Soccer Pilgrim. And is there anything else you want to 
uh, say before we close this, Janelle? Um, no, I don't think so. Just I, I appreciate you having me on here. And uh, yeah, if you want to see, I guess, any of my work, um, you can just follow all the soccer.com accounts. So yeah. All right, awesome. So uh, once again, thank you for being an audience from Montreal. This is Soccer Pilgrim. Thank you.